Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast, episode 129. My name is Tom Salemi. I am the content director at Healthogy. Once again, I'll be handing the mic over to our host, Steve Krupa. Steve is the CEO of a healthcare software company called HealthEdge, but he enjoys talking to interesting entrepreneurs and startup executives. So we have one of those today. Our guest today is Nursi Nazari. He's the CEO of a cool company called Vital Connect, which has developed a new line of wearable sensors that can track patient vital signs, up to eight vital signs more closely. System works at hospitals, it works at homes, and Vital Connect is also talking to pharma and medtech companies about providing them the information they need. Vital Connect has raised some serious dough, closing a Series C last year, $33 million, with the money coming from Baxter Ventures, MVM Life Sciences, and others. And Nursi Nazari comes to healthcare from the tech industry. He actually also has a venture firm, but earlier on he was in the semiconductor industry and was CEO of a uh, tech company called Terranetic. So it's great to have these tech folks in healthcare. Steve Krupa enjoys talking tech. So without any more delay, let me hand the microphone over to Steve Krupa. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Nursi Nazari, the CEO of Vital Connect. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to somebody uh, out there on the West Coast where the weather is nice. Congratulations for that. Um, I think, as I mentioned, I'll be out there visiting again and wondering why I don't live in California. Um, but thank you. Thank you. We also have had more than our fair share of rain, but uh, I think we have usually been better than East Coast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, what, tell us the story of uh, of your of your career. How did you end up uh, as the CEO of Vital Connect? What were the uh, what were the events that led you to um, to start this business? Well, thank you. I've been in in high tech semiconductor and wireless business for some time. Uh, I I helped uh, start a company in that area in. 1990s, we had a lot of success. Uh, one of them was a company, Marvell Semiconductor. And uh, after that, I decided to uh, leave uh, operating and become an investor in high-tech areas. Uh, so I started a, a small fund, Pacific General, and uh, uh, had some luck in financing as well. Why not connect? originally came to me as an investment opportunity, but then I thought this uh, this concept is so cool and it so much matches my background in technology, chip development, and signal processing that I wanted to be a part of it. So I started as a chairman half-time, but uh, soon after I became CEO and have been at it for eight years now. Nice. So I always ask this question. I have similar background to yours in terms of being a operator, then an investor, and then an operator again. Um, what do you like doing better, operating, or I'm assuming you like to be an operator better than being an investor? Isn't being an investor a nice cushy cushy life though? Do, do you do you miss it? 
<laughs> well, I, I, I like both, to be honest with you. And as an investor, I was always uh, an advisor to the company. Uh, so, so I enjoyed both and have been very fortunate to be able to go back and forth. And I think what one needs to do is to be disciplined that when you're an investor or a board member, that's different than when you're running a company. So you have to be able to on and off uh, going back and forth. That's the challenge that I have seen. But other than that, both are very, very nice and pleasurable uh, occupation. Sure. Yeah, all right. So so I can't let you off the hook on this. What 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 do you have to be careful about? Give me your contrast. I know a lot of people that are operators – uh, that sit on boards. You got what do you got to do? You got to be careful uh, to resist the urge to grab the steering wheel. What 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 do you what, what that, are the, one of the, that, the things you got to be careful? That, about? You are hundred percent right. That as a board member, you are trying to give guidance uh, and approve an overall plan for the company, but you you can't sort of micromanage it and ask to go to meetings with CEO or things of that nature. Uh, whereas when you're running the company, you obviously you have to do all those decisions, but then you have the challenge to have the board uh, informed and uh, be supportive of what you do. So it's a, it's a fine line, but uh, uh, if you really try to, whenever you're doing one, put yourself in the position, if you were on the other position, how you how you would have liked to behave, that, that I think is helpful. Very cool. I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, I obviously have the same, uh, the same questions that you – I found – I think I became a better board member uh, when I went back to become an operator because I, I think I realized that sometimes I was, you know, my opinions weren't grounded in the day-to-day operations – you gotta, if you're a board member, I think you gotta you gotta help CEOs w- think about what they need to worry about from a big picture point of view, as opposed to the day to day, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You have to always think. That's the key word. How can I be helpful rather than how can I be uh, part of the governance? You do the governance, but uh, that's sort of far uh, far in between. Most of the time, is you want to be helpful to their management. Very cool. All right, uh, Nursey, tell us about Vital Connect. What are you guys up to? Well, we we up to changing the way that the patients are monitored, and by doing that, we really think we can make a significant difference in the health, the way healthcare is delivered. We think we we have the capacity to. Uh, deliver better health care at low cost at the same time to have convenience for the patient and satisfactions for caregivers and particularly nurses. So explain to me, you know, how are patients monitored today or better yet, how are they monitored if they're not monitored by your products? Yes. Uh, And I divide that into two parts. One is the patients that are in hospital and then the patients that are at home. Uh, what we have today is that if a patient is at 
in hospital, there are essentially two cases. One is they're severely uh, in a severe condition and ICU, but most patients are not like that. They're in their room. And with our device, they can be conveniently monitored all the time. Uh, on average, a patient that is in a room is monitored only two or three percent of the time. That a nurse is there and taking measurements and so forth. So a lot of bad things can happen. Uh, and uh, this way you have the data for the caregivers uh, to be able to intervene immediately if they need be. Uh, additionally, unlike the expensive ICU devices, ours is very mobile very convenient so patients can walk, take a shower, and so on and so forth. So in a way, they have all the, all the safety of an ICU type of measurement and uh, monitoring without the cost or inconvenience. And also nurses benefit significantly. They don't need to come and take measurements every four hours, wake up the patients and all of that, now the data is automatically captured and they see it right from their desk. <laughs> so that's really, you know, what I talk about convenience for the patients and nurses, and it essentially pays for itself in terms of the time that it saves. The patients can be released earlier because you've seen this patient has been stable for four days and not just those few times you visited with them, every second and every minute. So that's, that's really, really a good outcome for both the patients, hospitals, and nurses. Very cool. Uh, so, so go ahead. You want to talk about the, the home? The home, yes, yes. And then I uh, answer any questions you may have. Uh, at, at home, uh, essentially, the monitoring that the patients get is that they call the doctor. There is really nothing more than that. And often... When the patient is released from hospital, you know, call us next week. And a lot of bad things can happen. And not only that, even if they call, then usually the remedy is to come in an ambulance and 911 calls and very, very disruptive, expensive, and very demoralizing for the patient. We, we really have the wellness of pa the patient in mind in our entire solution that they're really the center of this whole thing, that not only we want to give them better health care, but in a convenient way. So with this device, uh, we have full FDA clearance for the same device at the hospital and at home. So not only you're monitored, again, you're monitored in an ICU class with every measurement, every second, and the nurses and doctors can respond if uh, anything happens. Uh, at the same time, uh, patients can be released earlier, and there has been a study done uh, by Dr. Levine at Brigham and Women Hospital uh, that was also uh, featured in NBC and CBS uh, news that uh, you can go even further and some patients not even be admitted to hospital. They're so-called admitted to home, so they can be monitored at home, more convenient, lower cost, and everybody is kind of happy. So 
That's what we provide by this platform that is highly accurate and clinical grade that can be used at any time and anywhere. And just how does Vital Connect get all of this done? Nursi Nazari says it's simple. We'll have more after this break. Hey, everyone, I want to remind you that Healthogy, you remember the company spelled with the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y, has put out another podcast in the healthcare space. It's called Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. It's hosted by Keith Figlioli. He's a partner at LRV Health. And he is touring the country, talking with uh, some of the leaders, the most senior executives at some of the more interesting healthcare systems and healthcare providers out there. He's talking to pairs as well. The most recent episode of Healthcare is Hard featured Penny Wheeler and Rick Magnuson of Alina Health. So you want to check that one out. It's on iTunes. It's called Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. We'd love to have you subscribe to that as well as the Breaking Health podcast. All right, now let's get back into this conversation between Steve and Nursi Nazari. But Steve asked, just how does Vital Connect get the job done? So um, I know the answer to the question, but uh, I feel people listening probably need to understand. So how is, what is the tooling involved to accomplish the monitoring? It, it is very simple. Uh, what it is is that this biosensor that people can look at our website, www.vitalconnect.com, that goes on the patient chest. It is like less than half an ounce in weight, very con- convenient. That's all they have to put on them as far as equipment is concerned. And then they have to be close to a tablet, that, and that tablet uh, gets those measurements and sends it to, uh, to the nurses and the doctors. So that's it. There is no installation of any kind. Uh, you just put the biosensor on your uh, chest and uh, close to your uh, wireless device to get the data out. Wow. So this is the, the patch. Is this, is this the patch? This is the, yes. We call it biosensor, but yes, it's all a patch. And, uh, and so what type of uh, measurements is, is, are you able to then get from the device? We we are uh, we are measuring clinical grade ECG or EKG. Uh, we also do heart rate and breathing rate. Breathing rate is very important measurement that we already have the uh, the best in class measurements, and that is obviously an indicator of uh, patient deterioration. Mm-hmm. We also do body temperature uh, plus uh, body motion. And uh, fall detection, should that uh, unfortunately happen, and also measure of uh, activity for the patient. That has proven to be an effective uh, tool for patients that are so-called admitted to home. And uh, you can see that they move more, and moderate motion after a condition actually helps recover faster than being in the hospital and sitting in a bed. So then I'm assuming then from that, from those measurements, and you seem to be getting you know quite a bit of data, um, yes. you're able to then create an a- analytics. So what conditions are you able to catch before they become a problem? Well, general patient deterioration we can catch. We are, we are adding what we call early warning score or EWS, and that is a 
a weighted measure of, uh, you know, heart rate, breathing rate, all these conditions uh, that clinicians can look at that number and immediately see who may be at higher risk. Uh, longer term, we plan to develop a specific software for some of the most important clinical conditions in the country, or I should say in the world. Uh, one is cardiac uh, conditions, uh, uh, congestive heart failure, for example, or sepsis, that are the uh, two of the top prob uh, problems for patients both in and outside hospitals. And what our algorithms would do is by looking at all these uh, measurements every second of the day, you can make predictions and giving making predictions in a way that the, that uh, by changing medicine or diet, the patient can avoid hospitalization. So we're very, very excited that our first stage of our commercialization, we're doing this patient monitoring anytime, anywhere with the early warning score. And at the same time, we're building an infrastructure that you can develop a disease-specific solutions that can be really helpful to the patients and healthcare community. Very cool. So how are you getting people to buy it? What is what is the argument to do? So, you know, obviously this is an investment. It, look, it looks to me like it might be less expensive than than uh, some some monitoring that I've seen in hospitals. What is the what is the momentum and the value proposition that you're offering? Because I'm assuming that the buyer is the hospital, or is it that who is yeah. the ultimate purchaser? Yeah. So, uh, for both conditions, uh, uh, we are marketing to hospitals for their unmonitored beds or patients that they discharge or this new area that I talked about, the so-called hospital at home or admit to home. Uh, actually, we have tremendous uh, traction in the hospital. We're working with some of the leading institutions, and I named the one that I had permission, the Brigham and Women Hospital. And uh, uh, its traction is excellent, and we trying to get products out of the door as quickly as we can. Very cool. And and um, when did so did you get involved with the company when it was still in the development stage, or did you get involved with the company as it was approaching commercialization? I, and when I say involved, I mean probably more as the CEO than as the investor. But, no, but no, both are kind of interesting. I, no, I was I became CEO. Uh, uh, about 18 months into the company. Okay. Uh, and even before that, I was executive chairman working half-time. So I've been pretty much from day one and really have enjoyed this uh, development more than some of the other stuff that I have done because you can always see the benefits for the patients and the community that you don't see in some of the high-tech products I have developed. So when you made your investment and you decided to come on and run the business, what was it that told you that you were going to have a successful product? Well, it's always a challenge, and you can never be 100% sure, but uh, it sort of became one of those things that it kind of made so much sense. In fact, right now we're expanding our commercialization team, and when we're talking to 
people to head our sales in various areas. One of the things that they say, well, I went back and checked and nobody else makes something like this, which is a surprise that this is a need that is really out there. Patients want to be more mobile and uh, more convenient at the hospital, or obviously after heart surgery, you don't want to just rely on your phone when you go home. So it's one of those things that uh, we thought it is extremely valuable if we can make the product. The challenge obviously was technical and uh, making sure the product is very accurate while it is very small and all the connectivity, cloud analytics. So it took us eight years. It's a difficult uh, you know, challenge technically, uh, but as far as the utility in the field, it's, uh, it's almost like a no-brainer. And as I said, as we commercialize the product, we don't see a resistance that somebody says, oh, we don't want to use it. Mm-hmm. Everybody is saying how they can bring it into their healthcare system you know, in a way that would work for their particular instance. I'm 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 curious as to what you uh what you found to be the the key the, the most difficult technical challenge. There are there are numerous technical challenges. Uh just making the product so small and fully disposable is really a state of the art. Uh to the fact, to the extent that we had to go make our own chip, semiconductor chip that is just optimized for this application. <laughs> that by itself is a two, three year development, you know, millions or more than 10 million of cost to get that done. Then you have to put the whole system together and all the algorithm developments and so forth. Uh, then obviously you have to go through clinical trials, get that feedback, optimize the solution. And uh, last but not least, the connectivity and the cloud and the algorithms. And again, that is non-trivial. And we've been fortunate to do all these three or four major challenges under the same roof and putting a system together, which is really unique in the industry. And as I said, building it is hard, but selling it is easy. (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, that's... Everybody loves that story. Was there any ever a moment in time when you thought we weren't going to get there? Uh, let me see. I think I think we 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 were at the at the beginning of the development. We we really were worried that we don't get the accuracy that is uh, equivalent to the hospital. Uh, but over time, uh, we actually not only met that we exceeded it. Uh, so yeah, that was that was that was really a big challenge, and at the end of the day, this is a medical device, and a medical device has to be accurate. Just because it's mobile and more convenient is not going to uh, be uh, acceptable to the medical community. You just have to be as good as that expensive large device that they use in a hospital. That's great. Yeah, I, it's it's. That's that's the hardest part, right? Getting to commercialization once, because you know, the idea is going to is going to lead to a, a disruption or something that somebody wished they'd had and didn't have. It's just getting through those those first couple of years of the hard problems, right? 
Yes, yes. In, in a way, it's like building the first cell phone, small cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was kind of intuitively that if you make it a small and kind of crude, uh, you know, you're going to sell it. But it's a, very, a lot of challenge to, you know, get that all working and the infrastructure. Uh, we also have to build infrastructure for the data to be HIPAA compliant, secure. All of that took a lot of effort. So do you, um, so last question, and thank you for your time. A very interesting sure, company, I course. think people. No, no, it's a pleasure talking to you. What, uh, are you guys, are you publishing um, or, or, or you know, science, any scientific or analytics information on, on the performance of the device? Is there places people can go to learn more about the effectiveness of what you've built? Absolutely. Please, again, visit our website. And we have a section there about our publications and so forth. We've had numerous publications in IEEE, some of our doctor partners in the clinical uh, journals. There's a lot of work that has been done to validate and communicate our our, our progress. So please do visit us, and uh, uh, we'd be happy to share that information with the community. And are you a Twitter guy? Can they follow you on Twitter, or are you uh, staying away from that? Well, I am on Twitter, but I think I have tweeted only one. Uh, so, but the company has a Twitter account. So follow Widal Connect, not uh, not Nersi Nazari. Okay. Well, listen, Nersi, great to talk to you, and and thanks for joining us. And uh, well, you and I will probably see each other in a couple of weeks at a conference. I know we're both going yes. to. And I'll look forward to that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your time, and I also look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast. My name is Tom Salemi. I am content director at Healthogy. It's great to have you here. Please tell your friends about the podcast. If you haven't already, you can share it on Twitter. Find me there. I am at MedTechTom. You can find Steve there as well. He is at Steve underscore Krupa. Krupa is spelled K-R-U-P-A. You can also uh, put it out on LinkedIn, of course, and tag me there as well. would love to... Uh, be part of your conversation and hear what you're thinking about the podcast. If you want to reach out to me directly, my email is tom at healthyg.com. That's the word health, followed by letters egy.com. Finally, uh, see what else we're up to at Healthyg. Go to healthyg.com to check out news and information about our other conferences and our other podcasts. That's it. Tune in next time. We'll have another great tale of innovation for you on the Breaking Health Podcast. Breaking Health.